Hello, and welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. The goal of this podcast is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their communities. The host of the Organizing for Change podcast is the coalition coordinator for Avon, Massachusetts, Amanda Decker. Thank you for listening. Welcome to episode 29 of the Organizing for Change podcast, where our goal is to equip coalitions, organizations, and individuals to bring change to their community. It is amazing to continue to see this podcast grow, and that would not be possible without all of you sharing and getting the word out. Thank you so much for your support. A new resource for all of you is our new Facebook group simply called Coalition Coordinators. This group is specifically designed as a resource for substance use prevention coalition coordinators. We really hope you join us and other prevention coordinators from across the globe for ideas, discussion, and support. And I just want to say a shout out to Kristen on our Facebook group from the Lakes Area Community Coalition in Michigan for her idea to have a podcast around Coalition recruitment, where there's some role play around how to recruit a potential member and what are some suggestions to recruit specific sectors. We love this idea and we will follow up on it. Thank you so much for leaving us feedback. If any of our other listeners have suggestions for an episode, we would love to hear from you. Please join the Facebook group or leave us a review on iTunes. You help make this podcast a better resource. Today we joined Jamie Comstock and Robin Carr, founders of Info Inspired. Jamie and Robin have been where you are, charged with creating presentations, written or verbal, as part of their job with no training about what makes a great presentation or keeps an audience engaged. Their work has been primarily in the nonprofit and public sectors. Essentially, people working in these fields are expected to accomplish a lot with very little, and they're incredibly good at it. However, if there is one exception to the rule, it's probably in the presentation arena. We have a tendency to do things like get very excited about our data, schedule a three-hour presentation to share it, and then attempt to explain it using a series of complicated graphs and hieroglyphics. Jamie and Robin both admit they are guilty, myself included. To make a long story short, after many years of putting people to sleep with these methods, Jamie and Robin thought it was time to make some changes. And so their journey began. Together, they've spent the last several years researching and testing ways not only to capture and hold an audience's attention, but to inspire audiences. They've also spent countless hours refining the presentation planning process, identifying free resources, and learning how to maximize the tools they already had. It's also important to know they aren't graphic designers, artists, or especially tech savvy. Everything that they do, you can do too. They say that their high point, the point they knew they were onto something, was when people told them their presentation about logic models, yes, logic models, was the best presentation they'd ever seen. And after having some presentation success, they started to get requests to provide tips and assist others. This conversation was amazing, and I learned so much, and I hope that you all find a great resource for your work as well. 
So without further ado, check out my conversation with Jamie and Robin. Well, welcome to the Organizing for Change podcast. I'm so excited to have the folks from Info Inspired on today. They were presenters at the Community Anti-Drug Coalition of America. Um, They presented at a workshop, and it was all about a topic that I'm very interested in about making some brain-friendly presentations and making um, our work a little bit better on our end. But before I kind of tell their whole story, I'll let both of them introduce and tell kind of how they started all of this and how they got involved in coalition work. Um, Hi, Uh, my name is Jamie Comstock, and I am a co-founder of Info Inspired. And I'm Robin Carr, the other co-founder for Info Inspired, and we have been working together um, in our day job doing public health and specifically substance use prevention work for many years. And um, several years ago, kind of faced a collaborative challenge uh, around presentations. So we decided that um, we could do presentations much better than we had been, and um, that's the result is info-inspired. That's so exciting. So when you think about um, why does this matter, so you must have noticed some not-so-great presentations in order to start all this. Tell me what wasn't so great and maybe why this makes such a big difference. Um, so one of the things like that was real formative real early on um, I gave a presentation very often to a group of people, like public health stakeholders in our area, and it was it was uh, text dense um, slides with just text on them. And I was so committed to this presentation, and I loved it so much. And I thought this is a really awesome presentation. And the problem became that when I was giving this presentation, I started noticing that people were, um, were gla- like their eyes were glazed over and they were mm-hmm. doing other things. And that became um, kind of our, uh, like our point of, um, you know, jumping off point because uh, at that time, Robin wasn't, we weren't working together, but when we started working together in the same organization, I said, I don't ever want to give a presentation like that again, <laughs> and we need to figure out a different way to do this. Now, was this a presentation that you had designed, or was it kind of one that was canned and given to you, and you just had to go with it? Oh, no, I designed that one all myself. And then I asked if I could borrow it and use it at my own organization because I thought it was really fabulous at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so So neither of you had a background in, like, presentation. No. No, and, but we both had an expectation that I think is a similar expectation of many people in our field, which is to... Um, motivate change following a presentation. Yes. So we spend a lot of time engaging with our, our community members and our stakeholders asking, can we come and talk with you? Can we provide a presentation? And then when we are fortunate enough to get that opportunity, um, we, we don't make the best of that resource because we don't know what to do. We don't have any formal training about how to make that the most effective, the most beneficial opportunity. That's fascinating so when once you figured out this isn't working obviously you 
had to come up with kind of something that is working. And is that something that you both did some research to find out what does make a brain friendly or was it more a trial and error kind of thing? Like how, how did you come up with what makes a brain friendly presentation? Yeah, we just started totally geeking out on presentation stuff and um, learning styles and what makes an effective presentation and um, what are what are resources and how could we organize? Um, how could I'm I'm very systems oriented, mm-hmm. and so I insisted that we have a system in place, and so we came up with this four step process um, that we we believe really works. People who use it, they tell us it works, so we have we have no other reason to believe it doesn't. Um, and so really, we just started reading and reading and reading and um, researching and really trying to understand what, um, what different facets go into creating brain-friendly presentations. And the format that we came up with um, really acknowledges that and tries to incorporate that, those elements. That's awesome. So the four-step process, um, do you mind walking us through a little bit of what that looks like? Sure. So the first step is to define a goal. So we have sort of a you know, kitschy little four-step labeled system, define it, refine it, align it, and design it. And um, define it is really establishing the foundation and the parameters of the presentation by defining a goal for it. Um, often, we have a goal that sounds something like, I want to create awareness about this issue. Mm-hmm. And so we really challenged ourselves to say, to what end? You know, What really is the goal of the presentation? Is it so that you create awareness? Or is there some sort of outcome that you're interested in achieving related to creating that awareness? Which we submit there always is. Like so the what, first thing what would be an example of one of those? So from a substance abuse prevention um, standpoint, Perhaps you're giving a presentation to law enforcement officers Mm -hmm. and what you want to do is you want them to change the way that they're enforcing underage drinking rules. So um, you might be providing them with information about about underage drinking and and the fact that it's harmful to youth, but your end game is really focused on wanting them to change their policy and their practices related to underage drinking. Okay, gotcha. Sorry to jump in there. No, that's great. And it's really a paradigm shift for people, and it tends to take them a bit of time to really to really think through what is the one ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And um, once the goal has been established, the other thing that's really important to define is the audience. Because even though your broad goal overall might be to reduce youth substance use, that's going to look really differently depending on who your audience is. And, and the examples and the analogies and, and the experiences and that you're going to bring into that presentation and conversation will look much different if you're talking with a group of law enforcement officers than it will if you're talking with a group of um, PTA members, for instance. So those two things are really important to know, having your goal in mind and then also having some um, background information uh, about your audience so that you can design a presentation that is centered around that. And that's really step one, define it. Gotcha. And then refining it is, is really focused on editing the elements of the presentation. And um, once you have decided what it is you, you want to achieve for a goal, you likely have a lot of pieces of information to, to bring in. 
Um, and sometimes it, it's information that is essential to establishing, to achieving the goal. And other times it's just things we like and we want to include. So we talk a lot about that whole thing, about editing and how difficult it is and how really vital it is that you only include elements in your presentation that are vital to the goal achievement and not mm -hmm. just something that you think is important to share that maybe isn't that integral for them to know. Because what we found to be true, and this is kind of going back to the brain science piece, is that if you don't edit your information, your audience members are going to do it for you. Yeah. And they might walk away. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but I have definitely delivered presentations before and had someone come up to me afterwards and say, that was a really great presentation. And what I really got out of it was, and then they filled in the blank, and I felt terrible because mm -hmm. whatever it was they said next was not the thing that I wanted them to walk away knowing. Right. And at that, you know, that's when you know you need to spend some time editing and refining your key points. It's interesting that you say that. I just uh, went to training the other day by um, a group called the Frameworks Institute, and they talked about um, how a lot of times in coalition world we use the myth versus fact sheets. And, you know, I've right. been guilty of this myself. Uh, you know, here are the myths that they think about underage drinking. Here are the facts. And they did an incredible study um, that they were referencing around um, a group that did myth versus fact around the flu. And they put out all the myths about the flu and then all the facts. And then they tested to find out whether people listened or not. And what they found is that people um, remembered all of the myths, not the facts, uh, because they already knew the myth in their head, and then the literature they put out just reinforced that information, um, not the new information. And then they attributed the myth to the actual person who put the, the group that put the um, myth versus fact sheets out. So not only did they remember the wrong information, but they attributed it to the, um, the group sending it out in the first place too, which is wild to me. So never again myth versus fact. <laughs> So true. Yeah. So no, it's good. Okay. Um. Uh. The next. The next. Uh. Step. So. So align it is is um really for us the fun part of the presentation. Yes. Okay. So align it is about um figuring out how to bring your content alive with um stories and data and um all sorts of and images and videos and um. It's about basically taking all of those um, points of your presentation that you've created this far and matching it with a way to um, bring that information um, alive and make your audience remember it, to make it stick. That's what we call it. Um, so we know that brain science tells us that we remember things that are um, shiny and um, sticky. And so how do we make those things shiny and sticky? Well, you can do that through mm -hmm. by telling a story, by using images, by using videos. You can have people do activities. Um, you can, um, one of the things that we like to do is make data come alive, and that is uh, showing um, for different proportions of, if, so let's say if you wanted to talk about like 25% of Maine kids are hungry, for example. Um, you could ask 25% of the of your room to stand up to illustrate okay. that this is the number that corresponds with this fact that you're trying to get across. So one of the things we talk about in the alignment section is this concept of an elephant and a writer. Um, it's a it's something that we learned in our research. Um, and the 
the audience walks into a presentation intending to do their best to pay attention and to follow along and learn all about whatever the presenter is, is going to be talking about. And the presenter makes a, um, a critical error when they think that they're just presenting to an audience full of people, not realizing that these people have come into this presentation riding on elephants. And elephants like shiny, happy things. And um, if you if you don't um, if you don't provide the kinds of um, the kind of like enjoyment for the elephant, if you can't capture the elephant's attention, no matter how hard the person wants to pay attention, the elephant will take over because we know that elephants are much bigger than people. So the elephant's going to ride away with you, no matter what your intention is. So align it really is about. Um, figuring out ways to make the content memorable for your um, for your audience. That's really great. Uh, that reminds me of uh, some a book I've read before, kind of along that same lines. That's really fascinating. So the first one was, uh, you know, have the end goal. The second was to align it. And uh, what's our next step? Yeah. So our our last and final step is design it. And this is our system is kind of a flip for people because what we're typically used to doing is when we know that we need to create a presentation, we open up our computers and we open up our uh, slide design software, PowerPoint or Prezi, whatever it is you like to use, and we start populating slides. And, and that's where we start. And um, our approach says we save the design part for the very last step. So we've already been thoughtful about the content we want to include and the designing mm -hmm. any sort of slide deck or visual aids that you want to uh, to bring into the presentation comes last. And we were really particular when we were researching our, our and developing our system um, to identify low-cost and mostly no-cost resources for design, um, understanding that many of us work in the nonprofit world and we don't have access to a lot of financial resources or graphic designers, and we're not graphic designers. So um, we spent a lot of time finding um, places to get images for free and, and video content for free and um, where are spots online where you can edit photos for free. Uh, so pretty much everything that we do um, to design slides is, is free. Every once in a while we might decide we want to purchase an image, um, mm -hmm. but I think that's a real rarity and for the most part um, we've been able to identify um, low-cost, no-cost resources awesome. for design. I think I'm going to jump back to, I know I'm probably jumping around a little bit, but back to your align it piece again. And I was just thinking about um, when you said that the brain remembers things that are shiny and sticky, um, and you listed off a couple of different things like um, your story, your images, your video. Is there a certain thing that you found out that people respond more to than others, or do you have a preference? What we always talk about is do what you feel most comfortable at. So um, if you are not, if you don't feel like you're a good storyteller, then you probably shouldn't tell stories. Like if you're, it's about like you can pull anything off that you're comfortable with. And mm -hmm. so we try to do like a whole range of things. We have, you know, different kinds of activities and um, our whole, um, when we do our training, it's incredibly uh, it's, it's, um, image-based. So we, we don't, um, I mean, we've talked about this already, but so our slides don't have bullet points on them. And so that's one way to connect with the audience is just by that simple slide deck. 
Um, yeah. I would also say that if there is um, an incredibly perfect analogy for that particular oh, yes. group or the particular topic, we like to use a lot of analogies. And um, mm. from substance use prevention perspective, one that I really like, and it's not one that we came up with, is, is likening um, marijuana to big tobacco, what we're seeing with the marijuana yeah. industry. And people really understand that when you say marijuana, this industry is like big tobacco 2.0. That's really meaningful to people. And so with analogies, we know it's important to make sure that we use an analogy with our audience that, that if, if we're taking a familiar concept to them and we're building a bridge with a familiar concept to the new information. And it's like, light bulb, I've got that. I yes. know exactly what that means. Yes, she's right. I that love is, that. Yeah. That's so helpful. I think even, you know, I sometimes I like to think of like what does the industry, the like the addiction industry, what are they doing, you know, where, where we're not. And I think oftentimes, you know, when they started lining it up saying, you know, make marijuana like alcohol, people, you know, were just like, oh, yeah, okay. And we should be doing this better and say, no, it's not like alcohol. It's more like tobacco, you know. Um, so I think that's a really helpful way to um, – to put that together. I also heard something really interesting um, kind of along these lines too about how um, using the analogy of like a boiling pot um, of water on a on a stove can be used to help preventionists like explain their work and talking about how when you turn the temperature up it makes the pot boil over or it can make it um, you know cool down. That's been a really neat analogy that I've been able to use out um, that's been tested on thousands of people across the country that's been helpful as well. Wow, I'm going to look into that one. Yeah, it's fascinating uh, research. Going, this, this is so helpful. So going back to, um, I was thinking about some of just the big problems or the big issues or the big mistakes, I guess, that you've seen some of us all make. Uh, do you mind highlighting some of those? And, you know, what are we doing wrong? Wow. So I, I would say... I would, I would say PMI <laughs> is probably the biggest, and I've been really guilty of it. We want to weigh too much information in a presentation. Mm. Presentations really are not great for transferring large amounts of information. They can be good at, at generating interest in people following up and getting, you know, reading a full report in its entirety. But um, when you want to present 45 data slides to a group of people, I think that's just a real... Um, it's a real motivation killer, and and um, and that doesn't work. And the, and the, and we also talked about how if we are not thoughtful in in editing our content, then people are not able to walk away with the most important pieces that we want them to have. Yeah, I think another one that I see a lot that always makes me giggle is when I'm sitting in the back room and someone has a slide and they say, "You can't see this slide." Yes, <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> and then the other thing that I find always that I want, I would love people to know is that when you have, when you put 12 point, point font on a slide it, and you put it on a projector, the projector doesn't enlarge the font for you. <laughs> so it's right. still, it still stays small. So if you want people to be able to read your slide, and you have text on a slide, then you need to enlarge the text. Right. Never use 12-point font. Right. <laughs> I might make a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> yes. 
and I, I, so I did uh, read some of the materials that you had on your blog too, and I thought something that I've been super guilty of in the past too is uh, that whole like taking all that time to set up your presentation <laughs> rather than just launch right into it. Um, I just, yeah. yeah, so I found that fascinating too. I learned something new today about how you could just literally flip your computer open and push one button rather than um, go through everything. I think that's definitely a mistake that I constantly make. Well, good. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, so for, for those of you who are driving right now and you're thinking, man, I wish I could write all this down, don't worry. We are typing show notes for all of you, um, and we'll lead you to um, the website um, for these guys and make sure that you have the info-inspired information, everything that you need, um, you know, so don't freak out that you didn't write all this down. Um, another question I had, um, oh, so going back to some of the common mistakes, is there any other mistakes that you wanted to highlight that we're, uh, that we need to be aware of? Any other glaring ones, I should say? So another thing is, is using the word PowerPoint and presentation synonymously and thinking about them as being the same thing. Mm. Probably the best presentations are those that, um, that you couldn't hand somebody the slide deck to and then they would be able to intuit the information. So if everything that you need to say is listed on the slide, that for us is a, is a big mistake area. Okay. Slides be accompaniment to your spoken word. Um, you as the presenter are there to fill a key role, um, and it's not just to read the text from a slide. Yes. Yeah, and so we use that, and we use that as our note area, and again, I'm just going to go back to the editing because I think what happens is we want to include too much content. We don't have it memorized. We don't have it internalized, so we need to use the screen as our cheat sheet, and um, so editing can really help us with, with that as well. Um, so, so yeah, you're, and, and you don't have to use slides. You know, we've talked a lot about slides, but some of the best presentations I, I have ever listened in on um, haven't included a slide deck at all. So don't feel locked into the idea that you have to use that type of technology to deliver an amazing presentation. So when you do edit it, is there like kind of a process that you use to edit? Is there like, you know, how, how do you, how do you edit? You know, like I'm just picturing myself with a giant, you know, with that overwhelming 27 page thing that I want everyone to know. How, what, what do you do to edit it? So thankfully, because of Jamie, we have a system. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I, I also think that we dedicated a kind of silly, funny blog post to that, too. So if there are any listeners yes. that want to check that out, I think I was talking about editing in, in relation, relation to The Bachelorette, because I think that was very <laughs> popular at that time. Um, but yeah, we do. Uh, we do have a system. Um, and, and typically, it begins with just a simple brainstorm and you getting all of your ideas out. Um, that's kind of an important part of it so that then you can take a look at each and every one of those. We usually say probably three to six, three to six key points is where you want to land. Um, and, and sometimes there's kind of a, sometimes what happens is you, you have a, a lot of information that you think is, is key, but you can't include it all in the presentation. So, so first, you kind of do a big brainstorm. Then the next step is to say, okay, what, which of these will really be the most vital to getting to my goal? And then after you've kind of gone through that, you'll say, okay, what do I have time to do in a presentation? Or what might be best for me to put in a handout for people to walk mm -hmm. away with when they leave? So you kind of get those two, two 
opportunities as well. So you get kind of the broad, what are things that are really key points, what things do I have time to talk about, what things do I want to make handouts about. Um, and then another important part is that there's a, that there's a lens towards will this work for my audience. Mm -hmm. So for everything that you want to include, you have to ask yourself, um, does this align with my goal and, 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 and align with my audience? And if the answer isn't yes to both, then it should be tossed. Wow, that's I know really that's like a, like a really strong statement, but we believe it's true. <laughs> no, I and now what what are your thoughts about like testing? Um, you know, maybe testing some of the messaging out before you do it. Do you guys do something like that, or is it kind of you go with your gut feeling? Do you test it out on a smaller group of people? We um it, we talk a lot about having a presentation buddy. Mm -hmm. So um. So we are each other's presentation buddy, but your presentation buddy is a person who, for you, can help you with those kinds of things. Um, they can help you, you know, make sure that your key points um, make sense, that they're in a logical order that flows. Um, they can help you um, determine if the way that you have chosen, like in the alignment category, to illustrate these key points, if that makes sense. Um, presentation buddies are really good for helping you feel a little more confident. Here's, there's that word confident again, because this is all, this, this process isn't about being a good speaker. This process is about following, um, following a roadmap to design an effective presentation mm -hmm. that you're confident about. And so that confidence will translate into um, into a really nice presentation. So if you've got your presentation buddy who is helping you along the way and giving you that support and confidence, you may take you know some some risks that you wouldn't normally take. And conversely, then that presentation buddy can be there to say, hey, you know what? That's a really stupid idea, and you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so. We've done that. We've both done that for each other more times than I can tell you. Um, but that's how that's how we test it out. We also, you know, we'll we'll test messages on um, on our coworkers too. We think it's really important to have you know like a presentation support system in place. And then sometimes we'll we'll think something is going to really resonate, and then we we implement. We take our presentation out. And, it, and there's something that just doesn't resonate with people. It doesn't click. And so, you know, we're working our strategic prevention framework. We're implementing, and then we're evaluating. <laughs> How did that go? Yeah. That didn't go so well. So I'm probably not going to talk about that anymore. And there are times when I've tested things a couple times because I've thought, oh, no, I think this might work if I try it one more time, and then it doesn't. <laughs> yes, there's so. one part of this training that we do that I keep wanting to change, and Robin says, I just have to try it differently. So I've tried <laughs> it differently like four times, and I still think it's horrid, but <laughs> I might. <laughs> it's so true, well, though. I think oftentimes, um, you know, we've heard this information so many times, so it sticks in our minds, but we forget, like, this information is all new. This is probably the first time many of the folks that we're presenting to have heard it. And um, it's it's so true. We don't really think about, you know, ways to really get them to remember it. I think we just overload it and try to cram everything we've learned in our years of experience all in one, one moment. And it, you know, to go back to what Robin mentioned earlier in the very beginning, 
we all come into these professions with high expectations from people who are expecting us to, without any kind of training, deliver really great mm. presentations. Yeah. So, um, you know, people shouldn't feel bad at all about the presentations they've turned out. Um, I think the, the difference is, like any part of our work, the desire to make it better and then to figure out how to do that. That's so awesome. So I just want to uh, make sure I have all four points. If you don't mind just saying them one more time so I make sure that I have them all correct. Um, and then um, I'll ask a couple of final wrap-up questions because we've already zipped through our time. Yeah. Um, the first one is define it. Okay. And that is followed by refine it. And then align it. And finally, design it. I love it. That's so easy to remember. Um, I wanted to just give you guys a chance, if there's anything that I forgot or I missed that you just thought this is really important for our listeners to hear, um, are there any things that you, um, you know, are thinking that are really important to add? I, I do actually have one thing that I wrote down that I was thinking about, and that is one of the ways to get away from text-dense presentations is to have a set of notes with you. So, um, so instead of relying on your text on your slides to, um, to read off of, you could have you know, a set of notes in front of you that correspond with more visually based um, slides. And that way you're not, you're not reading stuff off the slides. You have the security of the notes if you need them. We're also not saying that you don't need to practice your presentation. Mm. Like that, that's very important. You need to practice and rehearse and make sure that you're on point. But a way that I, I still always have notes with me, um, and I, can, I feel more comfortable doing that, and then I don't have to put a bunch of notes on my slides for other people to see. Mm. When you rehearse it, do you actually, like, you know, sit somewhere and do it like you're just going to do it? Or is it something that you kind of just read through your notes? No, we um, both do it like we're doing it. That's like so it's game on in the basement, in the morning before the kids wake up, like in hotel rooms, you name it. <laughs> I think that's so important too, because I mean, this is going to be your probably your one chance that you'll get to talk to some of the people in, in the room and um, you know, you've rehearsed for everything else, but I think, you know, presentations, you know, I think that's such a good tip. We talk about also how um, presentations, many people don't think of them like this, but you should. It's kind of, um, kind of a, a job interview, an informal job interview, mm -hmm. and it's your audience's chance to vet whether or not they want to carry on this relationship with you or not. And if you do a really great job, chances are people are going to want to seek you out for, for additional interactions. Um, and if you do a really bad job, then people will say, you know what, that's probably a representation of how they, how they do their work and they live their life, and I don't really need any part of that. That's so true. I can think of presentations where I'm sure it was really great, but I was like, eh, I don't think I could ever listen to that again. <laughs> so should be featured on a sleep tape or a good time for you to shop for a new vacuum cleaner online. Yes. Well, I'm sure that so many of the listeners are going to want to hear more about what you all do and um, just how they can get more information, how they can read your blog. What's the best way uh, for folks to find you guys? 
So we have a, a blog, and you can find us at infoinspired.us. You can also reach us uh, by email at jamie, J-A-M-I-E, at infoinspired.us. <laughs> and Robin, R-O-B-I-N, at infoinspired.us. That's so good. And we'll include these in the show notes um, for folks that, uh, especially folks that are driving. Perfect. Um, yes, they shouldn't be emailing while they're driving. Yes, not a good <laughs> idea. Public health issue. <laughs> exactly. This was such a fascinating uh, topic, and I just really appreciate the both of you, Jamie and Robin, for taking the time out uh, to talk with all of us and uh, and share all that you've learned. Thank you. Well, it's been such a delight. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you so much. It was great to speak with you, Amanda. For more information from today's podcast, check out our show notes. There you can find our contact information, social media, and website. Please get in touch with us if you have any comments or questions. And if you like today's podcast, please share it with your friends. Thanks for listening.